Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. I want to continue the series that I began a couple weeks ago, and it's entitled The Greatest Stories. The Greatest Stories. And there's some of the parables and stories that Jesus taught. Now, there is some debate on this story that I'm telling you today, and it doesn't really matter because it's a story that Jesus told that's full of truth. Some people say, well, a parable is a fiction story that tells truth. And other stuff is just real stories of life that Jesus knew these people or knew of them. I don't think that matters too much. What matters is, is he told stories that gave us truths to live by forever. Okay? So I'm going over the stories of Jesus, whether they're parables or not. Um, today is kind of a lengthy story, so please pay attention. This is powerful. It's always touched my life. And it's got a lot of food for thought. It's a lot of serious things to think about for eternity and for your life on this earth. Let's go to Luke 16, 19. And this is the story of the rich man and Lazarus the beggar. Luke 16, 19 in the New Living Translation. We're going to go through verse 31. So remember, Jesus told these stories to get a point across. Um, there are, for example, there are parables in the book of Matthew that talk about the kingdom of God. I believe there's 12 parables and they tell mysteries and they tell everything we need to know about the kingdom of God that Jesus was trying to get get to us. All right. About people receiving salvation, about who's going to be saved. Um, but this one is in Luke and we begin in chapter 16, verse 19. So join me here. Check this out. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. Now, that's all right. But how many of you know money isn't everything? Now, you'll read in the book of Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. Does, does it mean it gives a right answer? No, you can throw an answer at everything. Someone who's sick. You can throw millions of dollars. It provides some answers, but it may not be the right answer. You say, I'm lonely. Well, money, money can buy you some company. You know what I'm talking about, right? Say, well, I, I need this. I, I'm not sleeping at night. You could get the best bed in the world sometimes and have a hard time sleeping. I've had seasons where, man, we have a Tempur-Pedic. That thing is great. But I've had seasons where I didn't sleep very good on the Tempur-Pedic. I don't think money would have fixed that. It could have provided an answer, right? But it doesn't necessarily fix stuff. So money's not everything. You want to be blessed in life so you can bless others. This rich man had it all. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Imagine that now. Okay? Imagine someone covered in sores. We don't know from what. Infections, diseases, um, exposure to the sun. There was a guy that used to walk up and down here. I haven't seen him in a while, bless his heart. I hope he hadn't passed away, but he would get sores sometimes from being out in the sun all day long. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, longing for scraps, doesn't sound like he got any, we don't know, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Ugh. They say that a dog licking a sore can help. I think there's contradictory information there. It seems to me like they might get more infected, I don't know. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. Now, let me explain something. This story talks about pre-heaven. 
talks about what the Jews referred to as Abraham's bosom or paradise. Okay? It was a holding place for people before Jesus went to prepare heaven for us. Doctrinally, that's what we believe. The scripture teaches that. Remember Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you? In my Father's house are many rooms? Well, this was pre-Jesus. When Jesus came and redeemed us from the curse of the law and people were able to be saved and the blood of Jesus bought our entrance to be with God in heaven, we're allowed to go to heaven now. But before heaven, we believe that this paradise was in the lower parts of the earth. It was a garden-type place, a good, pleasant place. And Abraham was there. So this is before Jesus died and was risen again. We're not going to get into all that, but that way you know what's going on there. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. Angels only carry you to heaven, not hell. All right? There's a guy near our house, and he goes all out for, for Halloween. Have you seen some of this stuff? If y'all are putting a bunch of de demonic stuff in your front yards I haven't seen, I just need to say as your pastor, I love you, shame on you. Some of you are getting convicted like right now going, oh, my God. I, why would you why would you want to bring a bunch of demonic stuff to your house? I'm just saying it's all in good fun. Yeah, but that stuff looks bad. It gives people nightmares, man. Our dog is not easily frightened, but we walk by and he looks at that stuff. That guy's house. This guy has at one place two pumpkin headed demons. They have pumpkin heads and one's an angel and one's a demon. It'll get your attention. It just freaks me out. Anyway, that was neither here nor there. Just wanted you to know about that. The rich man also died and was buried, right? So Lazarus died. The rich man also died and was buried. And he went to the place of the dead. Sheol or Hades. He went to hell. Not the, the place where there's life, paradise or heaven. There in torment. How many of you know scripturally Jesus spoke about hell a lot? And we know that hell is a place of torment. Heard different things about hell? Just as something to keep you wide awake, even as a believer, you say, I'm not going to hell, praise God. You are saved, and you're on your way to heaven. We're not practicing sin. You've been bought by the blood of Jesus. But we understand that hell is a place that even, talking to a friend yesterday, said that one man testified that he was in hell. And when he was in hell experiencing it, God allowed him to come back. I don't know the whole story. He was short of breath the whole time, like he couldn't catch his breath. You know how miserable and scary that would be? On the verge of dying from asphyxiation, but you just can't quite catch your breath. And then your skin is burning, and there's worms, and it's a place of torment and anguish. It's terrible. He was in torment. And there in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. So picture that. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I've always had a problem with this statement in the next by the rich man. He, you can tell his heart's not right because he's still thinking Lazarus is a servant to him. That's odd to me. Okay, just to, I just wanted to throw that out there. His heart's not right because he's in hell, obviously, but now he's having some remorse and he's in torment. says, send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in what? Anguish. I'm in agony in these flames. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Hell is a place of torment and flames. You do not want to die and go to hell. You don't want to flirt with disaster, play games with God, and not make it to heaven. You don't want that. I know you as believers, you're on your way to heaven, but there will be, I don't believe it's anyone here, right? There will be those who claim that they were believers and didn't live for God and don't make it to heaven. Say, man, Pastor Matt, I don't know what I'm doing here. Is this a fire and brimstone message? No, it's a loving message of warning. 
And I'm gonna, we're going to take some other warnings from this story and reminders. But I'm telling you right now, hell is a place we do not want to go. How long is forever? An old song that sings, it talks about what, once we've been there 10,000 years in heaven, we will have just started. It's the same for hell. Hell is not a popular subject. I believe revival is going to break forth in, this pla- forth in this place someday, and this is going to be packed with people. There's going to be 500 people in here and more, and they're going to be fighting to get in to hear the word. But there are many churches that are not full in the United States of America because we preach on hell. We preach against sin. You say, or people just aren't interested in God. Be that as it may, we're going to tell the truth here because Jesus spoke of it. If Jesus spoke of it, if it's in God's word, it's true. So Abraham said to him, okay, son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. You're talking about a rich man and a poor man who switched places in the afterlife. Now the rich man is in torment and poverty and the poor man is in blessing and he's comforted. He said, during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish, Abraham said. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. But the rich man didn't give up. He said, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least, he's still talking about sending Lazarus. Isn't that weird? At least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. Wow. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. There's scripture out there, right? Now, this is a long time after this, 2,000 years later. The Gideons have, you know all those hotel rooms where people commit sin? There's usually a Bible in there. In there. Moses and the prophets have warned them. Now Paul and the, the epistles and the gospels have warned them. Now we have the full Bible, Old and New Testament. Your brothers can read what they wrote. That's what Abraham said. The rich man replied, no, Father Abraham. But if someone is sent to them from the dead then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. Did everybody get saved? Nope. They didn't. Jesus rose from the dead, Scripture tells us, and he appeared to 500 people. How many showed up on the day of Pentecost? 120. He appeared to 500, though. Where's everybody else? Does it mean they weren't saved? Well, no, but they didn't show up to receive the Holy Spirit right off. So no matter what happens, some people are not influenced by it. Say, oh, well, if, if they'll rise from the dead, man, these people will be warned. No, not necessarily. So once again, we see a story here, whether it's a parable or a story that really happened. We know, we know, we know. And I'm sure something like this has ha- happened before anyway. Jesus knew what he was talking about, and he's teaching us truths. Here's something I want you to think about. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6 2. 2 Corinthians 6 2. For God says, At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Someone say today. How many of you are procrastinators in here? I love bringing this up because I'm a natural procrastinator. I've told you this before. Maybe it was funny before. Maybe it won't be but now, but Dad Brown thinks it's funny. Jen and I were talking about procrastinating one time. And she said, baby, well, you, you got to do better with all this. And, 
you got you can't procrastinate so much. It's not good. It's not a good habit. And there, I know some of these things you don't want to do, but and we, here we are in the conversation about not procrastinating. I said, baby, I'm telling you, I'm going to do better. And right in that conversation, I told her, you know what? But that thing, I'm going to do that tomorrow. Old habits die hard, don't they? Here is something you don't want to procrastinate about. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Right now. It's urgent and of utmost importance that you be right with God right now. Today. Within the last week, week and a half, we see that there's a war that's been going on in Israel and into, into Gaza. Land that Israel gave to the Palestinians. At one point, there were people at a music festival. They were just getting murdered. I saw some of the videos. It's terrible. I hope they were ready to meet the Lord. Can you imagine? Just a day like every other day. We went to the place where the Twin Towers used to be in New York. Now there's a big memorial. There were people who went to work that morning, and they were not ready to meet their maker. They weren't. They were not ready. Can you imagine? What would that be like where there are no more chances? You have so many more, so many chances right now, but not so you can procrastinate. It's so you can redeem the time for the days are evil. Dad brought that up in the men's Bible study yesterday, the men's prayer breakfast. Redeeming the time because the day, are days bad now? Are people crazy? Y'all are pretty awesome people, but man, I'm telling you right now, there's terrorists out there. There's people killing just to kill. They're heartless. And things are happening. There's tragedies and earthquakes. I want to be ready to meet the Lord. Right now, I need to be ready. Right now. Right now. Let's go to Hebrews 4, 6. Today is the day. This, this isn't like putting off repairs on your car or delaying to repair something at your house. I, I remember when we had a crazy year with, with just different things, different things that showed up this year that we had to take care of. We had a plumbing issue. I believe that was February. And it was, it was an issue where if you had the hot water going, if you had the valve turned on for hot water going through the hot water heater, it was going to leak into our laundry room and out into the hall. It was something that had to be dealt with. I mean, you know, we could have left it alone, just had cold water all these months, or just turn on the hot water shower, turn it off. That's crazy, right? It was something that had to be dealt with. Could not put it off. So we got into it as quick as we could to take care of it. Praise God. But this is so much more important. Today is the day of salvation. Look, so God's rest is there for people to enter. God's rest is when you believe and you're comforted by Him and you're in the place where He wants you to be in His will. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. This is the people of Israel out in the desert. So God set another time for entering His rest, and that time is when? Tomorrow? No, right now, today. Today is the day to enter into God's rest. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Look at this. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Today is the day of rest. You enter into rest with God and the kingdom of God by believing, by walking in faith, by walking in his word, by doing the right thing, walking in obedience to God. Today is the day. Don't put it off. Things are changing, I'm telling you. I knew before this war happened, I didn't know what it was. I didn't talk about it a lot. But it was interesting. I felt like something big was on the horizon. And I, I don't feel like the, the big things are done coming. I believe they're on the way. 
But for the last couple of months, I felt like, man, something big is on the horizon, whether it's economic or a war or something. I thought the war would have involved America more directly, but here it is. And God just wants us to pray. And God's been speaking to Dad and the church, both ministries. We've got to pray now. Today is the day, isn't it? Today is the day. Someone say, today is the day. Uh huh. And that's what I got out of this, this story or this parable is every day matters. So what are you doing with it? Got to get right with God today. So what are people's priorities? We've discussed this before. I may have one of them wrong, but I think this is what we've discussed over the years. Most people's priorities are this. Family, health, right? Finances, afterlife. It should be their priority if it's not. It is when they're on their deathbed. That's a priority. At some point, the afterlife becomes a priority. And number five, relationships. These are all important things, aren't they? But when you trim all the fat off of it, you trim it all the way down, nothing is more important with a relationship with God and good relationships with other people. And Jesus summed it all up. Let's go to Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37. Look at what Jesus himself said. Someone was questioning him, trying to trap him. What's the greatest commandment, you know, messing with him? You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, Jesus said. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. What could be more important than that, than being right with God and loving Him and loving others? What is most important? Are your kids' soccer games the most important thing? Your kids' sports? No, that's important, but are they the most important? How about your money? I believe God has called us to be blessed according to Scripture. I believe God promises, according to Scripture, health and blessing, financial blessing, so you can be blessed and be a blessing to others. That is important. It's very important. It's one of most people's concerns. We thought about, you may have thought about money today. If you didn't, great. I hadn't thought about it today yet, so praise God. That's a good thing. Great. But most people think about money or something they got to spend on or buy or they need the money for this or a bill every day. Is that most important? No. Uh-uh. How about work? Work is great. You need work, right? I encourage people to work. What about, what about bills? What about pets? All these things. You say, man, those are important to me. What about the kids? Those are important. Man, your family is so important to you. And they should be. They're important to God. But the most important thing is loving God and having a relationship with Him. And Lazarus obviously had a relationship with God. He died and went to paradise. And the rich man who had everything, now he went to torment and there was no way out. There were no other chances. I want you to think about that. Let it soak in today because here in a moment, that will lead to our next point. So here's my question. After today is the day, number two, what is most important? Let's put that up there. I want you to take an inventory. What is most important? Yes, family is important. Yes, your children are important. For heaven's sake, teach your children about Jesus. Protect them, feed them, clothe them, spend time with them. Parents, do your best, man, if at all possible, to have 15 minutes of meaningful conversation with your kids every day. That's something wonderful you got. Just be, be in relation, be in relationship there, be around, be available, be present. But what is most important? 
Is it your car? No, you need a car. But even around here, even around here, it's kind of spread out. But you could walk if you had to, right? If you had to. Ride a bike. I'll tell you right now, we were in New York. We spent some time in New York. If you've watched Jen's uh, social media, man, she was in pain and hurting leading up to surgery. But we found time somehow before the day of the pre-op appointment, the day before the surgery, we spent some time in New York. It was cool. I've told people, wow, that, that is the city. Wow. But I was ready to get out of there at some point. At some point, it became absolutely necessary, like the guy said, and you've got mail, for me to leave. Absolutely necessary for me to leave. We just, it's just, it's too, it's overwhelming. But if I lived in New York, I would not have a car. You can take the subway and walk and do all this stuff. Why have a car? Why fight traffic, right? But around here, most of us have cars and need them and want them. Praise God. Does God want you to have that? Yes. But is that the most important thing? I've seen people fall in love with their vehicles. I had a friend one time at AutoZone. And he had a, man, he had a, you've heard of Cadillacs? He had a Rattelac. It was bad. I can still see it in my mind's eye. It was cool. I don't care. I'm not big on, I have to have the best car or whatever. It, it was cool, whatever. It drove. And he was there at AutoZone getting it fixed. And he says, he told me, and this, this is a reliable source. The guy was really serving God at the time. I don't know. I haven't seen him in years. But he said his guy was almost petting his car next to his, like laughing at him. Like, oh, looking at his car and going, man, like touching his car. And it was clean. It was in the 90s. You guys remember Pontiac Grandams? actually had one, but this one had ground effects, and it was low, and it was sweet, and it had dark windows, and it was clean, and the headlights were custom, and all the things they customized in the mid-90s. And he was doing all this, and he was looking at the other guy laughing at him. Kid you not, he jumped in his car and pulled out into traffic out of AutoZone and got into a wreck. Now what? The most important thing to him in that moment or in his life, I don't know, but I mean, he's caressing his car. I'm sure that was his baby. Really weird. But the most important thing in his life got judged just like that. Pulled out, kid you not, my friend said, I saw it with my own eyes. This guy was a man of God. He said he pulled out in traffic. I watched him and he got hit. <laughs> what is most important in life? I want you to take inventory. I think you already know that. Your relationship with God is of utmost importance because there is an afterlife coming brothers and sisters it's on its way it's looming it's on its way we're moving every day closer to our afterlife whether we're raptured to heaven we pray that th this is our season for that as the world gets worse and we get raptured and we don't have to die but if if the rapture doesn't take place you and i eventually scripture says it is appointed unto us once to die all of us and you need to be ready to meet the Lord. So what is most important? Don't put it off. Say, man, well, I got substances. Mm -mm. That's a very, very temporary, temporary high. Excuse the pun. Uh, I got pornography. I got this. I got this. All of these are very pathetic gods. They're useless. They leave you feeling empty and guilty. And they open the door to the devil. What is most important? Can't be your car. Can't be your money. It's your relationship with God. You loving God. And then after that, Tied into that, Jesus said equally important, you loving people. So love God and love people. I love telling this story about my mom. Hospice would come to visit my mom a few times a week before she went to heaven. She was transitioning. She did not have a, a wicked end. She was, she was weakening and everything, but she wasn't in lots of pain. She was, her body was being consumed by cancer. And there at mom and dad's house, we had a lady named Becky, and she worked for one of the hospice 
uh, caregiving uh, companies. I think it was Kindred at the time. And she, before mom died, she said, you know what? Your mom has such great peace, and I know she's preparing to go to heaven. She said, let me tell you the story about a man who had no peace and would not repent because this lady was a God-fearing woman. She was a believer. She said it got to the point so bad with him that he was burning days and weeks. He could feel the fires of hell before he died. And he got to be so awful cussing and treating everybody bad. He was an unrepentant, hardened sinner that they had to transfer him from his house, wherever that was, and put him in, in an ICU unit in the hospital and just dope him up because he was awful to deal with. He must have been full of demons. But he was on, for all intents and purposes, I don't know if he repented or not, but at that point it looked like he was on his way to hell. I'm real careful about saying that. But the lady told us, Becky said, the nurse, she said, wow, your mom is at such peace. And down to the very end, mom was at peace. Why? Because she knew what was most important. I read a text from my mom yesterday, thanking me for helping her with things. I thought, wow, what, what a humbling thing for my mom. I, I've learned so much from my mom and dad, the heroes of my life, the ones that brought me to, into existence. And I said, here's my mom, and she's so humble, and, but she's discovered the secret of what's most important. That's loving God and loving others. And you know what mom did? Before I move on to my last point, for years before she died, she made sure she was right with people. If there was any hint of something where she wasn't right with someone, she made sure and got right with them and said, if I did something to offend you or hurt you, I'm sorry. That's something to think about, isn't it? I want to make your amends now. And you don't have to wait till you're sick to do it. She didn't. But she was preparing. She was preparing. So today is the day. Second deal that we dealt with is what is most important. Well, it's God. Loving God and loving others, right? And number three, let's go to Mark 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. Look at what Jesus himself commanded. Mark 16, 15. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to whom? Everyone. Preach the good news. What's the good news? The gospel. Gospel is good news. Let's go to Psalm 96. Look at this one. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Publish His glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things He does. I believe you should do two things with people in sharing your faith. That is tell them and also show them. Many times showing them is as important or more important than even telling them. you got to tell people about Jesus. you got to invite. Say, man, I'm not good at that yet. Invite them to church. Tell them you'll sit with them at church. Say, man, I don't know. If we have questions, we can Google it. But here's my Bible. Here's something we got to do. But I do know this, that you need to share your faith. Don't sit on it. Don't sit on it. This guy from the grave was saying, man, Abraham, Father Abraham, send Lazarus so he can tell him. He said, no, they have the law and the prophets. Well, we got to remind people of the Old and New Testament, right? we got to remind them of the law and the prophets and Paul and the epistles and the gospels and the book of Revelation and all these books in the New Testament. you got to remind them. And guys, right now, I'm telling you, right now is prime season to tell people, look, Jesus is going to return sometime. Look now. Did you know people who aren't even saved? We heard at the men's prayer breakfast yesterday. A guy said, one of his coworkers asked him, is this the end because of what's been going on in Israel? I don't know, but it could be close. It could be close. They're predicting that an asteroid is going to hit the planet. I, I don't know, 300-something miles off the co coast of California. 
Friday, April 13th, what, 2029? You know, and then they've retracted that, and others said, no, it is happening. It's scheduled to hit us. Wow, that sounds very scriptural, doesn't it? Got to be right with God. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to say, be ready. Walk in joy, peace, have fun. Eat out, man. Go for a swim. Go on a date with your husband or wife or your husband or wife-to-be. Enjoy your kids. Enjoy life, but don't forget to share your faith. People are watching you. Remember a few weeks ago we talked about you being the light of the world? Man, if you'll love people and be kind to them, people will want what you have. You've got to share your faith. Look at the rich man. Scripture says that God has revealed himself to all mankind, so at one point he was warned and didn't care because he, he thought his wealth would protect him. You know, wealth is a pretty poor defense against eternity. Last I checked, Howard Hughes, as is, he was buried a long time ago. At one point he was the richest guy. Sam Walton, you know the founder of Walmart? He's gone. You remember the guy? Did you guys ever see, was it called the company? Ray Kroc, McDonald's? He was kind of an evil soul. But he's gone. Hope he repented. All these wealthy people. Nebuchadnezzar, he's long gone. King Herod, they're gone. George Washington, all these famous people with, with plantations and money and everything they had and car collections, you cannot take it with you. I promise we've done many funerals here and never have we seen the hearse with the coffin in it and a U-Haul attached to the back of it. Never. Not once. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Today is the day of salvation for you and for the people around you. Don't wait. Number two, what is most important? Your relationship with God and others. You loving God and you loving people. And number three, you've got to share your faith. Someone say share, share your faith. Someone say share my faith. That's right. Someone say it again. Say share my faith. One more time. I'm making sure you're with me and still awake. Say share my faith. Mm -hmm. People need what you have. It's like hiding the cure to something. To have a cure that will help all these cancer patients, but I'm not going to tell them. No, this is the cure for sin is what you know about Jesus. It's a cure for a miserable life and, and demonic attacks and depression and hopelessness. It's Jesus. Someone say Jesus. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes today if you would, please. God's purpose for you is ongoing. But like the old adage, the old saying, the old cliche says, today is the beginning of the rest of your life. It's so true. It's the beginning of the rest of your life today, right now. Tomorrow, well, there's always a tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow until there's not. Is there anyone in this house at the sound of my voice who would say, Pastor Matt, I need to get right with God. I need to accept Jesus and make him my Lord and Savior. I need to make peace with God. I'm at odds I'm in contention with God because I'm not right with Him. If you've never accepted Jesus or made Him your Lord and Savior, you don't know where you'd go if you died. If that's you today, raise your hand, please. I want to pray with you. Let's pray together. If that is you, God bless you for your courage. Thank you. Is there anybody else in this house? Anybody in this house? Thank you. Let's pray together as a family for those in this house and for the hands that was raised but also for those on the live stream. Would you pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, cleanse me. Forgive me, Lord. I'm so sorry. I reach out to you in faith to receive what you promised. 
Without you, I'm a sinner. Take my sin from me, Lord. See, I confess Jesus as Lord. And I believe he died and rose again for me. Save me, Lord, from hell, from myself, from my sin. Thank you for hearing me, my God. I praise you and thank you.